0: All right, let's go ahead and jump right into our message. We're in um, week two of our our series called A Soft Reset. Last week, we kind of talked about how God wanted to do a soft reset in our lives. Now, remember, a soft reset versus a hard reset is different. A hard reset is where the the slate is kind of white, completely clean. It's basically like taking your device back to its factory setting. And I didn't believe that God was asking us to do that at this time, but what I thought God was saying was, was He wants to do a soft reset. He wants to come in and deal with some of the, the stuff in our lives that, that are kind of causing our systems to not run very properly or not run very well. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about some of the things that I believe um, for us as a church and us as individuals are things that God is saying basically, listen, this is some of the stuff in your life that we need to deal with so that this soft reset can really go through and really, really work. Okay? So I'm very excited about what God has for us today. We're going to be in 2nd Corinthians 1 7 1. This has kind of been our text verse throughout um, uh, the series and things of that nature. It basically says this: says, therefore, since we have these promises, we talked about those promises last week. If you did not or weren't here last week, you can can catch the message online. Uh, It says, Dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness. Out of reverence for God. It's like this verse knew, it's like Paul somehow knew that at some points in our lives we were going to need this soft reset situation. Okay? And in your notes we're going to start, I've been, I've been kind of studying about kind of some of these things. I know that some of you are, are, are tech whizzes and know all this stuff, so I'm kind of learning all this stuff. But today, and, 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 and as we finish the series out, what we're going to be talking about is kind of some malware. Okay, and I didn't know what malware was necessarily. I heard the term before, but I really didn't know what it was. So I looked it online, and this is what it says. It says malware is short for malicious software and used as a single term to refer to viruses, spyware, worms, etc. Malware is designed, Now this is important as we kind of look at the whole picture here. Malware is designed to cause damage to a standalone computer... Or a networked PC. So wherever a malware term is used, it means a program which is designed to damage your computer. I think what we're going to be talking about over the next couple weeks is this idea that there is some malware in our lives. And that malware is there to cause damage to your computer. It's there to cause damage to what God is wanting to do, what God is doing, and we need to understand that. Listen, I'm the type of guy that I, I do enjoy a certain things, and one of the things I do, I do and this may sound weird to some of you, I watch baseball, which, like, nobody does that anymore, I've been told, because it's too boring or something of that nature. Well, I like it. Why do I like this? I like the battle between the pitcher and the hitter. And I like to know, I'm one of those weird guys that basically likes to study, like, okay, this pitcher throws a fastball, a curveball, uh, a changeup, a slider, and all these sort of things. And I like to try to figure out, as the game is going on, which pitch the pitcher's going to pitch. Okay? Now, I I don't know if you ever played baseball, but one of the things that makes it really, really easier to hit is to know what pitch is coming if I know a fastball's coming, I'm going to have a better chance of hitting it. The hard thing about hitting a baseball, besides the fact that it's spinning and it's small and you've got a bat and it's all that sort of stuff, is the fact that you don't know what the pitcher is going to pitch. What I'm hoping to do, what I believe God wants to do in this season for us, is kind of say, Okay, guys, guess what? You're going to get a fastball and I want you to be ready to hit it. I want you to be ready to what the enemy is going to do, how the enemy is going to attack you, and how the enemy maybe is attacking you. Because sometimes I have people come to me and they say, I just don't understand why my system isn't working properly. They say it in a different way, of course, but that's basically what they're communicating. I don't understand why my system isn't working properly. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about some things that I believe God is looking at us as a church and as a family and as individuals and saying, basically, here's why your systems aren't working. Let's fix it so that we can once again have our systems work well. The first one, we're going to talk about two this morning, is the malware of unforgiveness. The malware of unforgiveness. Look at Hebrews 12. In Hebrews 12, 15, we see something very interesting. This is what it says. It says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up. To cause trouble and defile many. No, and I, I, as I was looking at this, no bitter root. What is a bitter root? What what is that understanding? What the writer of Hebrews? What are they trying to communicate to us about the bitter root? And as I was looking at this and studying this, I went online and I got all my commentaries and I began to pour through all these things. It's wonderful now, like, you know, in years past to go through commentaries, you had like stacks and stacks and stacks of books. Now I just jump online and they're all there. It's awesome. And so I'm going through all these people. I'm thinking, oh, what's this guy saying? Oh, what's this guy saying? And what's this guy saying? And and I got lots of different things. I got lots of different things. But what I looked at it, and for me and us and my life, what I saw was that, uh, that bitter root is unforgiveness. is that understanding that when that stuff comes and that unforgiveness begins to take hold in our lives, that that root begins to grow, and it's a bitter root. Because every time I see in my life or other people's life, unforgiveness, bitterness is usually and almost always present. They did this to me. They hurt me. They said this. This took place. They did this. They did that. They did it's, 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 it's you, you ever hear somebody talk about unforgiveness in a positive way? It's anger. It's frustration. It's hurt. It's bitterness. Unforgiveness always leads to it. And we have to understand something. And it's in your notes. A bitter root will always produce bitter fruit. Always. Why did the writer of Hebrews use this terminology? What does a root produce? Okay, a root, you, you, you take a seed, you put it in the ground. I'm not really much into gardening or, or, or planting or things like that, but I, I know enough about science to know something happens. It begins to root. It begins to come out. It begins to, once the roots begin to take place, then the tree, then the plant, then whatever begins to grow. Listen, if your root is bitter, you will always produce bitter fruit. You see, that's what's awesome sometimes about God, is he doesn't leave it up to this wondering about, listen, is your fruit that you're producing bitter? If it is, you've got a bitter root. That's what it produces every time. And so sometimes we have to stop and we have to look at ourselves. And look, any time that we deal with this or thinking about this, you know, we begin to look at, well, but, 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 but Aaron, you don't know who hurt me and you don't know what did. Listen, this isn't about, okay, what happened or telling you that your pain isn't real and important. What it is communicating is that because this happens, because that bitterness can grow, and it doesn't destroy the person you're mad at. It doesn't destroy the person that did this to you. It destroys you. It's God saying, listen, I want to bring healing into this. I want to do something amazing into this. I love it when I hear stories, and this is, this is the weirdest way to put this, because it's like, you're weird. You know? but, but it's like, I love to hear these stories where horrible, terrible, terrible, horrible things happen to other people. Okay? And God does something miraculous and brings forth healing. Okay? Listen, we, we, we talk about this a lot. By his stripes we are healed. And I love the fact that God has not limited himself just to physical healing in that. All healing. All types of healing. And we need to understand that. Look at Colossians 3.13. It says this, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. You must forgive others. Others. one thing I've learned and one thing we have to understand is quite simply this. Forgiven people forgive. Forgiven people forgive. I want you to stop. And I know this may be hard, but I want you to think about something. How many times a day does God forgive you? That's scary to me. How many times a day do you think the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, say the wrong thing? How many times a day do you do something that is in contrast to what God has commanded you to do? And God every single time is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Forgiven people forgive. Now, let me let me let me let me help you with something because because I think this is something that we, we need to understand. I have a friend of mine who, who shared this, and, and I, I had never really thought of it this way, and it really helped me see some things differently in my own life. And, 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 and what he was saying was that forgiveness is a process. It's not an event, okay? Forgiveness is a process, it's not an event. Now, can God come and in a moment heal you of, and, and deal with that unforgiveness? Yes, he can. But what I have seen in my own life and mostly in the life of others is, is forgiveness is a process that God begins to take us on. It, 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 it's something that, that takes place sometimes over over days, over weeks, sometimes unfortunately over years. And so because of that, we have to understand that God is taking us on a journey. Because here's what happens, okay? I'll just use me. It's, something happens, I'm upset, someone has hurt me, someone has done something to me. And, and, and so what I'll do is I'll go to God and I'll say, okay, God, I want to forgive. Forgive, <clears throat> forgive, 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 forgive. Help me, God, help me, God, help me, God, help me, God, help me, God. Okay, how do I feel about him? Oh, I'm still mad at him. Okay, God, forgive, 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 forgive. And that's what we do. Sometimes God wants to take us on a journey in forgiveness, Okay. And so sometimes we need to understand that God is going to take us there. And, and, for, and here's the thing. For everybody, it's different. Sometimes, depending on what happened. Sometimes, what, what, we, what, what God wants to do. And even sometimes, what we can look at is true forgiveness. For me, I'm just going to say this for me. For me, tr- I know I have truly forgiven someone who has hurt me when I can literally and mean it with all my heart, pray that God will bless them. Okay? Because for me, you know what I do? Get him, God. Ooh, go get him. It's like, I want God to leash the hounds of heaven. You know what I mean? It's like, God, do you know what so-and-so said? Do you know what so-and-so did? Okay, God, sink him. Sink him. And that's usually my prayer, unfortunately. And when I get to a place where I can literally pray and go, God... I pray that you would bless that person. I pray that you would be with them. Father, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them. Father, I pray that you would just do an amazing thing in their life. Until I get to that point, there's still unforgiveness in my heart. Okay, And I still need God to cleanse me. And I still need God to work in me. And and listen, sometimes there is that moment, and it's a beautiful moment, um, where God just, just like erases it all away. But even in those moments, for me, there's been a process. There's been a, there's been a, there's been a, a, a system or a process of releasing those things, and that's what God wants to do. So, 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 so today, maybe today, it, it's the process of beginning that release. It's beginning to, just like to let God say, "Listen, God, I've held on to this hurt, and I've held on to this pain, and I've held on to this, this, uh, this." bitterness and this unforgiveness for for a long long time and today I'm going to start releasing that today I'm going to start saying God I need you to come and I need you to deal with this and I need your healing and I need you to do this and remember forgiveness and giving it is not saying to that person or to God that what they did is right and okay it's not what it is doing is allowing God to come and pour oil into, and wine into wounds that God can heal in your life. And it's a beautiful thing when God does that. So, so we allow that to happen. We let that process take place. And it's important that we understand that. But forgiven people forgive. We understand how much God has forgiven us of and we allow that forgiveness to come and minister Next, the second and the last is the malware of lust. The malware of lust. I want to define lust because sometimes I believe it has some, some words or some understandings that are a little different. Um, and I want to kind of broad this out just a little bit, but this is what it says Lust defined is a powerful, self indulgent craving or desire that, depla- that, that displaces proper affection for God. That's lust. That's lust. Look at Second Thessalonians 4. Now, this is important that we see this. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5, it says this. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Now, let's stop because I found, unfortunately, at times... Not unfortunately. I don't mean it that way. But we, sometimes we need to define our terms, Okay. Sometimes we use these words and what does that mean? What, what does sanctified mean? What, does the, what do we mean when, when, when Paul wrote this, what was he saying when he said thank sanctified? Basically what that means is to be set apart holy or to be, be made holy dedicated to God. okay? So our goal here is that we want to be holy. We want to be set apart. Okay? We want that to happen. So, to do that, how do we do that? How do we, what is one way that we do that? It says that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. Now look, I understand that when we use the word lust, okay, we're usually thinking of a couple of things. Usually, it's pornography or it's the internet. It's 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 you know the, the bad use of it, of course. It's it's lots of types of things. But I want to broaden your uh, your understanding. I want it to be more than just hey, he's talking about lust. Listen, I haven't been on the internet in ten days. And, oh, I'm doing great. Okay, get me. I don't need to spell that out. Okay, I want it to be anything that displaces. Your affection for God. Some people say, well, isn't that an idol? And I say, it is and it isn't. Because I think this is an important understanding. It's a self-indulgence. It's where basically you say, what I want, what I desire, what I need, what I got to have right now is more important than anything, anybody. And that includes God. And here Paul is writing to the church, and he's basically saying, you got to flee from all that. you got to understand that you got to get away. This is something that can destroy you and remove you from that, that holiness that God has called us to. It can destroy. It can destroy lives and marriages and families and homes. It's a big deal. It's amazing to me. I, I, it always cracks me up when it's like... Um, when, 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 it's, I, I just find this humorous. When basically they, they, they spend billions of dollars to do these studies that could have been very easily proved if you just read the Bible and believed it. They're coming up with the, all these amazing things. Did you know what happens to the brain on pornography? It like goes cuckoo. Oh, you know, it's like give me that money. I'll save the money and I'll do something good with it you know, and tell you what this is. It destroys you. There is something hardwired in our brains that when those types of things begin to happen, bad things happen. And I would expand that out to even more things. When you sit there and go, oh, I just got to have it. Oh, I just want it. Oh, I just, if, you know, how many times, how many times have we sat there and thought, if I could just have that job, if I could just have that car, if I could just have that person, if I could just have that relationship, if I could just have that thing, oh, my life would be amazing. It's lust. You're lusting. You're desiring. is all about me. I don't go see a lot of movies, okay? I see very, very few. In fact, I tell my friends and tell people that we talk about it. The worst thing you could say to me is, have you seen this? Because the answer, 98, 99, probably even more than that percent of the time is, no, I have not, okay? But I do like stories, and I do like, because uh, I've read them and have read, and read them way before the movies come out. I like The Lord of the Rings, okay? Like those books, okay? And, and, and in that book, there's a character in it, and his name is Gollum, okay? And Gollum is this guy, and, and I'm not going to get into the story. If you don't know it, just, just follow along. If you do, you, this will make even more sense. Is There's this ring, and this ring has a lot of power over people, and it destroys the mind. And Gollum has found this ring, and he's gone off into his cave, and he's hid there, and it's destroyed him literally destroyed him and he sits there and he's in this cave and the movie shows and the book does even a better job and he's sitting there and i used to do this to my wife and it used to she used to just want to kill me for doing this because about two in the morning i would cling over to her and some of you that've seen the movies you're gonna get this everybody else just just go with it and i'd like i call up close and i'd go I mean, and she you start hitting me, you know, and I just, I mean, but that's what he did. He just, my precious, my precious. He'd sit there and he'd just rub it and hold it. He'd kill for it. He'd do anything for it. See, that's what lust does. No one else matters just to have your precious. Listen, if God isn't your precious, you're lusting after something. You're lusting after something because you're letting something fill a void that only God was created to fill in our lives. Only thing. And you can stuff it in there and you can try to figure it out, but I promise you, your precious is destroying you unless it's your father. Unless it's him. Unless it's what he desires to do. Let's look at 2 Timothy 2.2. It says this, so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. There's a gentleman named Luke Gilkerson, I believe it's his name. He, he has a, a, a website and does some software called Covenant Eyes. If you don't know about Covenant Eyes, um, I know that, that John uses it and I know a little bit about it. And so if you're curious about this software, please come and talk to us about it. We'll share it with you. But he came up with some steps from, from 2 Timothy 2.22 that will help us, give us hope with people that are dealing with lust. And remember, this is not just lust as far as what our typical understanding of it is. It's much broader, okay? And so here in 2 Timothy 2, 22, there's three steps that we need to follow. First, check this out. Number one, we need to run from, okay? We need to run from, which is basically as we flee, okay? We flee. And there's some understanding here. We need to mentally flee. We need to visually flee, and we need to physically flee. Okay, listen, you may think you're strong enough in that area. You're probably not. Flee. Okay, there is no shame and understanding to get out of a situation. No one in their right mind would say, you know what, the house is burning down. I could die. I'll just hang out here for a while. It'll be fine. You flee. You mentally flee. You visually flee. Listen, if you're dealing with certain things, and, and you'll know what I'm talking about. Listen, when I go to the store at Walmart... I love that they have those self-checkouts now. You know why? Because I don't have to walk by those magazines that are sitting there. You get what I'm saying? I like the fact that that I can get away from those things. Listen, if you're getting into situations or or things that that are going to cause problems, get out. Flee. Flee. Be like Joseph. Leave your coat and get out if you need to. So we flee, we run from. Number two, we run to, we pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And I put this, this is important. God doesn't just want to remove things. He wants to replace things, okay? God doesn't want to just take and leave voids. We're not good with voids as human beings, are we? You go into a house and what are they, you know, what, you, you, you go to open and maybe you're looking to buy a house and there's, there's nothing in there. And what do you do if you like the house? You begin to put your stuff in it. Oh, I can put my couch here. Oh, I can, Oh, this my bed will fit right here. You begin, We don't like voids, okay? And unfortunately, when we're a voids in our life, God doesn't just want us to take things out. He wants to put things in. Your goal here is not just to run away. Your goal here is to let those things that God wants to remove, to remove them, and then replace them with peace and love and joy and righteousness. I think what happens, unfortunately, sometimes in our lives is we look at God and we go, God, remove the hurt, remove the bitterness, remove all those things. And we don't allow God to put in what he wants to put in. Okay? Listen, when I was a kid, you ever heard this story? When I was a kid, they were talking, you know, I remember hearing this story, and there was a little boy, and he was in Sunday school. And they were talking about inviting Jesus into your heart. You ever heard this? Okay? And the little boy raised his hand, said something like, well, well, who lives in my heart now? And the Sunday school teacher said something like, well, well, honestly, you know, kind of, you know, God, if nobody lives there, you know, you know that's, it's not good. You need to ask Jesus into your heart. And he's a little confused, and he said, so, so who lives there now? And so, the Sunday school teacher, kind of just kind of out of frustration, kind of said, well, kind of like the devil lives there now, and you want to get the devil out. So the little kid's like, oh, okay. So he, he's like, I don't want that. And so he's like, okay, let's let's ask Jesus into my heart. And he was okay, so he asked Jesus into his heart. And 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 so later on, a couple weeks later, um, basically the little boys in Sunday school so excited, you know. The teacher's like, how, how are you? I'm fine. I'm great. He says, Jesus living in your heart? Yeah, Jesus living in my heart. And he said, guess what? He said, what? Well, there's a time where sometimes the enemy, he, the devil comes back and he knocks on my door. And the Sunday school teacher's, what do you do? What do you do? And the little boy smiles. He says, I let Jesus answer the door. What's that mean? The little boy understood something. If it's vacant, things will get filled in it unless you fill it with what God has for you to fill, get filled up with. So it's not just about a removal of things. It's about allowing God then to put those things in there. And that's why we pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And finally, so we have run from, run to, and then also he says run with. Run with and along with those who call on the Lord. Listen, We need biblical accountability, okay? Listen, if you do not have someone in your life that you are accountable to, you need to get one, period. You are not created to do this all on your own. You need someone you can be accountable to someone you can trust, someone that you, you will be able to, to, to help you deal with these things. Iron sharpens iron. Listen, don't hide in your sin. Don't hide in your situations. Listen, one of the reasons why it's so important, one of the reasons of many that we're starting community groups is quite simple. It is a perfect breeding ground for accountability and openness. For you to feel like you can share things and deal with things and get them out. Listen. Listen to me. Hear me on this. Get your stuff out of the dark. But Aaron, they could say this, or they could do this. Yeah, you know what? Listen, I'll just be honest with you. People are broken, and broken people do broken things, and that might happen. You know what? And I've had it, I've been burnt on it before, but I'll tell you one thing. When I have released those things, and I'll put those things out, and had biblical accountability with people, the, the, the pros from that, and the changes, and the help from that, so outweighed the nonsense that happened. It's not even close. Not even close. So you can hide in fear and you can hide back and go, oh, oh, but they might think I'm not the perfect Christian. Guess what? You're not. It's okay. Let's get healing. Let's let God do in our lives what he wants to do. Let's go to each other and care for each other and take care of each other by being open and accountable to each other. Listen to Proverbs twenty-eight, thirteen: Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them, finds mercy. I want mercy. I need mercy. I deal with things that are hard and that are not good. And there's things in my life that I need God to come and change. If the worship team wants to come back up, we're going to close. I need God to deal with these malware issues. Because you know what? The bottom line is this. My systems sometimes don't run very well. They don't. Things happen, I'm hurting. Somebody says something, somebody does something, I I I I do something that I shouldn't. I, I look and I go, you ever have this thought when it comes to lust? If I could just have that. Ooh. That is so dangerous. That is so dangerous. Listen, I'm not saying it's not okay to want stuff, okay? I want things. What happens, though, is when that want turns into desire, turns into need, turns into basically God. It can happen in so many ways and in so many situations and in so many things, where God just wants to be number one. You ever dealt with your kids, and you look at your kids and, and your kids will say this, "I need." and trying to help them understand, no, son, you don't need it, you want it. I want you to stop and I want you to think how our lives would be different if we really lived a life that says, God, you are all I need. Everything else, icing on the cake. And God blesses us with, with so many things, both material and and not material, right? But what if we lived that way? Where we literally say, God, you are all I need. You look at the Psalms. And you see this so often. Where David or, or other individuals would write things about our soul longing. what if as a people we could forgive? And not like sort of like super spiritual, I forgive you, but literally forgive. That we would walk through that process of releasing to God. You see, I I think very clearly that if you look at Scripture and you look at what God is saying, There are things, and these things will destroy your system. They'll destroy you from the inside out. And I know some people are much better in technology than I am, but you could take a phone and put it on the the counter, and, and that phone could be working absolutely perfectly, and you could put another phone next to it, that is decrepit and malware-infested and spyware and viruses, and you could put them next to each other, don't turn them on. You just set, I assume, you know, you set them there. You wouldn't be able to tell the difference, would you? But listen, God knows. They don't say that to be like, God's gonna get you. No, 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 God knows. And it's great that God knows because God wants to bring forth that soft reset in your life. What if 2019 was a year where you let it go and forgave it all? What if, what if it was a year where all the lusts and all the passions that you have that aren't godly were thrown in the garbage? Think about that. Wouldn't that be amazing? Because God wants to do that in us. See, that's what's great about all of this. This is what God wants to do. This isn't a, hey, this is what's wrong with you. This is this is what's wrong with us. Okay, now God wants to fix it. If we'll let him. If we'll let him. Let's let him. Let's let God come in and, and the Spirit come in with a big old searchlight and turn it on and deal with this thing. So that we can walk into this year and to our destiny and what God has for us as individuals and as a community working at optimal performance. Let's do that. Let's put aside all the the pride and, and all the stuff that sometimes we all deal with. let's let God do that. On you know, my phone, it's hitting a couple buttons and all of a sudden it resets it all. See, God is a God of hope, a God of love and a God of mercy. He doesn't come to you and say, all this is wrong and now you're in a lot of trouble. He comes to you and he lovingly disciplines and he says, listen, there's some malware here that we need to deal with. We need to start that journey. We need to start that process. And God doesn't just say that and then walk away. He wants to hold your hand through all of this and and walk with you. John sang a song and he said, not for a moment was I forsaken. And I know there's some hurt. And I know there's some secret stuff that you don't think anybody knows. And you walk around almost like looking over your shoulder, like, are they going to find out? Listen, your Father in heaven already knows. Let's let's let God heal us. Let's let that soft reset begin to take place. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And God, right now, as I pray, Father, I pray that there would be a, a Holy Spirit moment. I don't know how else to say it. That, Father, each individual here would look at their own lives. It's so easy in these moments to look at our wife or our husband or our kids. But right now that we'd look at ourselves and we'd say, Father, I have unforgiveness and I need to begin releasing it to you. I need to begin to allow that bitterness and that hurt to be removed. That, Father, for those that that are dealing with lust of any kind, that they would begin to go to you and get healing. That they would run to you and know that you aren't there to destroy them. You're there to help them. You're there to wrap your arms around them and say, you know, I've just been waiting for you to come home. I've just been waiting for you to come to me. And yeah, it's going to be difficult. And yeah, there's going to be triumphs and tragedies along the way. But we are going to change. And we are going to allow you, God, to do something in us that only you can do. Father, do that soft reset in all of us. Change us all. Because we need it. We need it. This is in a... This is is all of us. We all deal with this stuff at times in one way or another. And God, you want to bring forth healing. You want to bring forth victory. You want to bring forth what only you can do. So God, right now, as individuals, if that's us, we say, Father, do a soft reset on my heart. Change me. Help me. Help me to release those things that you desire to bring forth healing. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would pour in your, 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 your Holy Spirit into those situations, your oil and the wine, would be poured into those wounds that we would stop living in that hurt and in that sin and in that far away from you place. And instead, we'd run to you. We'd run to you. Help us, Father. We love you.